0: Hello, and welcome to episode 57 of the Arena Regulars Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content.
1: Yeah, basically, we're just two regular dudes drinking irregular beer and talking about Magic the Gathering. And in particular, they're, well, it's not really fair to call it a new client at this point. Their online client, MTG Arena.
0: Yeah, it's been out for a while. It still has some problems, but
1: hey, we still love it. I mean, I still don't know if it's, like, still in beta or if it's officially out of beta, because it was in beta for an outrageously long time, but...
0: Uh. I, I'm pretty sure we've been out of beta since Eldraine, but, uh, you know, um, <laughs> who, who could know? Uh, yeah. And this week we're talking all about the newest format on Arena, which is Alchemy. Um, it's the hottest news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but... Um, yeah, we're going to talk all about that and um, kind of give our impressions of... Uh, actually playing the format because we haven't been able to do that yet but first each week we both bring a beer and then we drink our own except for never mind we're not doing that this week jeff nope <laughs> jeff brought three beers for us hooray
1: yay that's jeff. right so this week we have a, what i'll call it an accidental tap takeover um <laughs> so if you listen to last week's episode uh you'll have heard that i was in hamilton last week uh dog what dog sitting for a friend and so while I was there, I was like, I'll just go pick up some local beers in Hamilton that are a little harder to find in Toronto, bring them back, and we can do them on the show, which I did, uh, but I only bought two of each beer. So uh, if we were to use our normal system, I would have needed four because I would need two for me and also two for Zach. Uh, and I just bought two of a bunch of different kinds of beers. Um, the funny thing is, too, I was standing like in line in the bottle shop waiting to buy it and I was like how many do I need to buy just two right yeah that makes sense one each that's okay that's good thing I thought about that I (laughs) I bought the correct one and then as soon as I you know was about to hand them off to you I was like wait a minute I don't have anywhere near enough
0: <laughs> it's all right <clears throat> it's not like numbers or your profession or anything it's totally fine Yes, yeah, it's <laughs> not like
1: you know that's what i hang my hat
0: on <clears throat> uh so this week instead we decided we were just going to do a tap takeover of one of the breweries that jeff had found and we're going to drink three of their beers together and then at the end kind of decide which ones were our favorite or which one is our favorite i guess rank them all i don't know yeah i mean i did get a nice little
1: uh Selection here. We have a few different kinds of beer. So at least that's nice
0: So Jeff do you want to introduce us to the uh, the brewery that you found and the first beer that we're drinking? Totally. So
1: um, The brewery we're drinking from today is called Fairweather Uh, As I mentioned, it's in Hamilton and it's actually a brewery that's kind of been getting like a lot of buzz uh, over the past well, I don't know year or so I'd say uh, in Hamilton but where my so my parents in law live in Hamilton, and I visit them often. But this brewery is not particularly close to where they live, so I haven't actually had a chance to go out there before. Um, you know, I was there this past week, so I said, you know what, screw it. I'm finally going to go try Fairweather. You know, people talk about it a lot here. If you just Google Hamilton breweries, this will probably come up as the top rated one. And so I went there and I just picked up a, a few different things for us to try.
0: Yeah, and might I say the cans look beautiful. I really like the, the mm-hmm. style of it.
1: Yeah. And uh, I know it's probably the cheaper way to do it, but I kind of like these silver cans with just a label that's like stuck on outside. I think mm-hmm. it looks kind of cool whenever breweries do that. But
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is, um, I, I think I've, I've talked about this in the past where I had a pet peeve. Uh, this was a long time ago. I'd, uh, back when we did the podcast in person, I had a pet peeve about um, cans that have, like, this plastic wrap that's around it, and you can feel the right. the seam. Yeah, yeah. But that's the ones that go all the way to the lip, and they, they kind of look like they've been shrink-wrapped in this, like, thing. Yes, yeah. Um, so I agree with you. I do kind of like the silver cans that they just uh, put their sticker on, uh, and I think this one mm. looks really great. I like it a lot. All right. Do we did we talk about the physical beer that we're drinking? <laughs> actually, we we didn't actually talk about all the right, beer. All right, let's talk so, about the beer. <laughs>
1: so we're starting with a beer called Menagerie, um, and it's a single hop pale ale, and it's five point four percent. So you guys probably know by now, I'm a big fan of anything that's just like a. I just want an ale, you know, or just a pale ale. I don't. Sometimes I don't need it to be a double dry hopped triple IPA or something, you know. Just give give me a pale ale. Uh, as one of the first things I'll try from a brewery. And this takes it a step further by only using mosaic hops. So it's oh. a single hop pale ale. They only use one kind of hops, so you can really taste that hop in particular and uh, kind of their base beer that they're putting it in. Bellwoods actually does this a lot. They have a beer called Monogamy, and they have different versions of Monogamy where... Uh, <coughs> You know, they'll have monogamy citra, monogamy mosaic, monogamy for each of the
0: different hops. Oh, they just use is that why they call it that? I never knew that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes sense, right? Now, this would, like I think menagerie means like a whole bunch of different things so it's kind of weird this they went the other way with this one because to me a menagerie is like an eclectic group of animals basically yeah right Um,
0: but all right well maybe it's an eclectic group of animals likes to drink this beer so (laughs) (laughs) there you go boom there we go and then the
1: art is like all octopi octopuses octopuses
0: um octopi yeah, it's probably not that I'm pretty, well according to james bond it is but i'm pretty sure it's octopi uh,
1: well um, who might argue with him
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah it's great so, i really like it um so i'm excited to taste this one and i'm excited to taste uh the other ones we have coming up but we have some magic news alchemy like i said before has officially launched on arena and whew, it actually felt pretty smooth our launch days yeah. were uh, were good. I was um, not expecting it to be a smooth one. We've had some kind of rocky launches recently, but this one seemed oh, yeah. seamless actually.
1: Totally. Um, and there was some like change of like quality of life changes. It seems that came with the deck building when they introduced alchemy into the deck building. They moved some stuff around and did some other stuff too. So uh, yeah, I had no problem. I jumped into a few games on like Thursday. Not right away as soon as the thing dropped, but I managed to get them and didn't notice anything so
0: yeah um, With that one of the the big changes that uh, happened is that we have a new play blade Which I forgot we were working on this This is something they said we were gonna be working on back in like February of last year when call time was coming out this Playblade rework was on the horizon and it's come out so Jeff there's a lot of drama around the Playblade. Uh, and if you don't, oh, yeah. if you, oh, wow. how could okay. there not be? If you don't know what the play blade did, <laughs> it's the thing where you hit play, and then it it uh, kind of makes you choose what format you'd like to play. And before it was just like <laughs> this big list of like you'd have to just pick a line on the list, and now and it, it has, seems
1: like arbitrarily sorted. Before exactly,
0: <laughs> and now it has like an events tab and a most recently played tab and a bunch of different things. Um, best of three or best of one, yeah. And like historic alchemy, alchemy. Um, with a big star by alchemy just to make sure that you play it and uh all that kind of stuff so jeff what do you think of the new playblade are you pro or against
1: i liked it um but it did it did throw me off at first because at first i just like double clicked play and then i was like wait what the hell am i queuing for right now because it made me jump into selected deck and it wasn't letting me select what I assumed it would let me select. So I had to go back, take a step, and like figure out what's going on with it. But I think it's fairly intuitive. Like It didn't take me long to figure out how to play a ranked best of three alchemy match Yeah. with that.
0: I agree. I think that I also had a little trouble with something that's new because it's new. So, of course, yeah. I don't really know how it works and I have to figure it out. Um, the thing I, I thought was really interesting is that If you wanna play the play cues, that is the easiest thing to do because you kind of pop up right into like non-ranked play. And then you have to specifically click the the ranked one which is on the side, and then events are on the other side or something like that. Um, And I had played in the play cues a lot. And there were a couple matches where I thought it was a match but it was a best of one because I had clicked a couple other things and forgot I had to click the best of three or best of one. Um so I think it's more of a it did throw me off, but I don't think it's something that's gonna throw me off long term. I already kind of think I figured that out and I'll I'll be fine now. Exactly.
1: So Yeah. It'll be like a month or two down the line. We'll be like, can you believe that it used to just be a random list of all the options, and you had to know where your op- the option oh, you wanted God. was in that list? Like,
0: I mean, yeah. I like that the event was it like
1: alphabetical or something. It made no sense. It was, it was like kind of like traditional standards down here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, it was very strange. And and saying like traditional versus um, uh, just regular. Did they even say? I can't even remember what the other
1: your traditional meant. Best of three. So it used to say standard and traditional
0: standard. Right. And now yeah. it literally says best of one or best of three, which is helpful because talking to newer players who have played, I'll be like, oh, are you playing best of one or best of three? And they're like, I, what? And I'm like, oh, well. I clicked standard. I play standard. I play standard. standard. And I'm like, yeah, but the traditional standard is best of three. And that wording is strange. Now they still have it when mm-hmm. you're queuing up to best of three. It will say traditional standard, uh, whatever. And you're
1: like decks when you're making a deck too if you want to you can make a standard deck or a traditional standard exactly deck.
0: so it's not that they really completely reworked it but it does seem a little bit more intuitive to know which one you're playing and and see that though you can t- toggle between them so i did think it was funny that i was able to build a traditional
1: alchemy deck when the format was like an hour old but
0: <laughs> like
1: how traditional is this really yeah <laughs> is it really the traditional
0: um I also think that having the events tab as a separate thing that kind of looks like a bunch of your decks and you can just see all these boxes of stuff, um, we won't have the same problems as not find like not knowing where to draft. Do you know what I mean? Right. Sometimes there was like oh, yeah. the draft or the sealed thing's gone. I don't know where to find it, and you had to toggle between like new player mode and like advanced mode or whatever.
1: Yeah, getting rid of that was a huge boon because, like, there used to be this button of all play modes versus arena play modes, and I still don't know which one was which. It because, would just like I just, just knew that I had the right one on for myself. Yeah, but it confused the hell out of me at first. I was like, "Where are the formats I want?" It was so and there's this like innocuous yeah. button that has two options where that are kind of unclear on what they mean. Like, so.
0: This is much better. And also you see the events more often, which they always have like standard and historic events where you can just like test stuff out and try to get gold or whatever. And I just never remember that they're an option because I don't look up there. I don't go that high on the Playblade usually. So uh, yes, I am happy with it. Um, And that's probably enough uh, talk about that. But we do have some big news coming up the, with events that talk about events that's why I was talking about events earlier I just wanted to make sure we got into this events but uh segue we have a decathlon coming up ooh tell me more. well um I guess it's kind of Greek themed because we're the arena so that would um that makes sense mm-hmm. right yeah uh anyway oh no it's because there's ten events that's why <laughs> 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 So from December 18th to January 1st, every three days, there will be two events that you can join. Wow, that's a lot of numbers. But uh, basically, uh, from the 18th to the 1st, there will be 10 different events, and, and they range from super competitive to super casual, and they basically are best of one or best of three, and if you spike it, so if you get seven wins in best of one or five wins in best of three... Then you get a Decathlon token. And then if you get three of those tokens, you could be entered into the finals, which are in January, where you could play Arena Cube, trying to get the highest wins and get the ultimate prize of... One complete set of Neon Dynasty. One of every card. Wow. You don't get a play set. You get one of every card. But still, we haven't had this on Arena, where you get... A whole set of cards. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think that's sweet.
1: Yeah, like as soon as Neon Dynasty drops, I guess you just have one of each in your collection. It just
0: goes into your... Immediately. So, Constructed Players, this is definitely something you're looking for because it won't take any of your wild cards. And you even get rewarded wild cards in the finals, so... That's pretty sweet. If you yeah, you
1: get a bunch of stuff. Like you get yeah. draft tokens. Uh, you get the unhinged basic lands if you make it to the finals. That's sweet. And do and get like two wins. You get a few wild cards no matter what. Uh, or maybe you have to get one win for the wild cards, but. Uh, mm-hmm. And you get a a Jace the Mind Sculptor avatar if you get six or more wins.
0: Um, you get a lot of stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff. Um, and basically throughout the different formats, they range from a bunch of weird stuff from just like uh, standard and alchemy historic to like singleton and turbo drafts and phantom drafts right. of Crimson Vow. Um, I think, Jeff, my favorite one is the. it's just a format of like you pick one of the 10 new player decks and then you just you just try to win.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds great to me. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, as you mentioned, they're all in like 3-day pack like Chunks. packages, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like there's so there's two events per 3-day pack chunk. And uh it seems like they did a pretty good job of pairing like something for a competitive player with something for the more for fun players in each chunk. Yeah. So you said they range from like casual to competitive and it's also, they've kind of paired them up. So like the first one is, well, you could play alchemy if you want to play a bit more, I guess this one is like the least of it, but mm-hmm. there's alchemy and then there's sealed, which is half midnight hunt and half crimson vow. Um, so like alchemy is the format that people would have practiced and would have decks that they got off the internet for and would take seriously. And then sealed, this sealed format is something no one will have played uh, mm-hmm. probably.
0: And I think one of the best things about this event is um, that it's really cheap. So it costs 2000 gold or 400 gems to enter these decathlon events. That's amazing. Those are just like some of the regular random events they used to do or like Friday Night Magic stuff. It's not gonna be the same amount of like, the cost for an arena open is much steeper. Like the amount of bullets that you have for this thing, you know, you have ten thousand gold. You could draft once or play in five decathlon events. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean those first
1: two. I would, if I had time, I'd probably play in both of them. Just the alchemy one and this phantom sealed with uh, three of each.
0: Yeah, and so then I'll seem... do my new
1: player decks right after that, and I'll get my three tokens. There you go. Boom!
0: There you go, and then you get entered <laughs> in the finals. So if you you get more entries into the finals the more you finish. So if you get three, you get one token into the finals. If you get six, you get two. If you get eight, you get three tokens in the finals. And if you get 10, you get like, oh no, if you get 10, you get to be in the finals three times and you get qualified for the qualifier weekend in February.
1: So like- Yeah, getting 10 is a little crazy.
0: So if you- Playing in all of the events. But if you like- And doing well. Spike the whole thing. If it's like, hey, you don't need to play ladder to be in the qualifier thing. Hey, play this decathlon. Go ahead. <laughs> I think that's yeah, true. <laughs> it seems like a sweet event, except for the fact that it is the worst timing ever. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's literally over, you know, the holiday break.
0: So it's <laughs> For me, it's literally like the first day I have off from work. So I have to go do holiday stuff until basically when I come back. And am working again. It's like, come on! Why did you do it now? No one has time. What are you talking about? This is not the holidays. Why couldn't this literally... It's gonna be at, uh, at your family dinner
1: with your phone under your table. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just like trying to get my seven wins. It's once again, Wizards has the worst timing ever. They put everything on the same weekend or or the tournament right before the new set comes out like it just doesn't make sense to me i'm they must have a reason but i don't understand what that reason is yeah but hey for anyone who is you know not busy during these times
1: this is great that's true
0: (laughs) hey all right flip side of that um if you don't have anywhere to be or you're being safe and staying home and you you're skipping the holiday season you're not going to see anybody this is a really good thing to do during that time to to keep your mind off of what the world is right now and all the new variants you can be like sick i'm going to stay home and play magic and try to spike all these and qualify for this tournament there you go all right i found it i found the flip side yeah. that's why I just
1: like play some fun magic too you know like like you said you actually get to compete against you know other people with the new player decks which you know never thought i would do that (laughs) yeah
0: i mean to be fair
1: historic artisan in there some old draft formats
0: yeah it seems sick there's a turbo draft for strixhaven which is awesome if you haven't turbo drafted before i am a fan (laughs) because (laughs) i do like it but it's so weird it's the weirdest format um i didn't even know what it was until
1: talking to you about this event
0: yeah so turbo draft that's
1: like the ultimate one that's their last format is turbo draft
0: so turbo draft is where every card that you play is five generic mana less than normal so it makes all of your like four and a green cards or like five and a green cards cost one green and you're like sick (laughs) and anytime you have like a three mana mana rock it's just a It's just a a freebie. It's It's just a freebie. It's just a mox. You're like, sick. All right, throw these moxes out in my hand. I'll tap these, play something. You get a bunch of free spells. Your mascot exhibition only costs two now. It's amazing.
1: It's cool to do it with Strixhaven because there are so many gold cards that um, there will be less one mana stuff and a lot of two mana stuff.
0: Or it'll just make all the one mana or zero mana cards very good and all the other ones. Yeah. Not very good. I think that's what whatever it is. you whatever
1: you learned during Strixhaven draft is no longer true except that Max Mascot Exhibition is the best card in
0: the set. That's yeah. still true. That and then Poet's Quill is going to be oh no because you still have to pay for the equip cost. Never mind. Don't think about that. Um but yeah, I uh I'm excited for that because it's always a turbo draft is a weird format and I'm I did a lot of the Ikoria one, so I want to uh, do some more of just something else, you know. Anyway, Jeff, we've been talking about magic news for quite a while, so I think we should jump yeah, that's right the into... the
1: magic news segment ever. I know,
0: we've had, a, we've had some new stuff, and it's, uh, you know, I'm excited for this decathlon, and I hope that this one goes well. The one that I probably won't be able to be a part of, so that there will be another one at a, an appropriate time where I can actually be a part of it. So I'm going to try to squeeze in an event or two, but
1: uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to either.
0: I might. I like the airport or something, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, let's get into our main topic for the evening, which is, of course, alchemy. So first off, Jeff, how does the format feel to you?
1: Uh, yeah. So that's all I've played since it dropped. Um, not that I've been playing like more than usual or anything. I've been spamming it, but uh, that's the format I play when I log in. Mm-hmm. And it's been, I found it been really fun. Like, it's been fun to explore a new format. Like, new formats are always fun, right? When people are playing their wacky homebrews against your wacky homebrew, it's always a good time.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: What do you you think? Have you been playing it?
0: I have. I've been having a great time. Um, It was really fun at the beginning because it's such a new format. There aren't really any uh, deck lists to just, like, copy. Um, There were a lot of standard, just straight from standard decks, Just kind of put in except for they they uh added their like inquisitor captain or something um which i started doing yeah
1: that's like the natural place to start right just take a standard deck whatever card you think is good from the new releases and and jam it in
0: yeah uh so i basically did that and was playing mono white and then uh there were a couple cards that like hosed me really hard And I didn't, I was like, what? What is happening? Um, And I was really confused. What does this card do? (laughs) Yeah, and there was a bunch of. Does
1: that card really just say fuck mono white? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, (laughs) that happened a few times. And they weren't even like alchemy cards, they were just regular standard cards nobody plays. I'm like, wait, this card (laughs) fucks my whole strategy up. How did. How have
1: I never seen it? Because it does nothing against All Runs (laughs) Epiphany. Exactly. (laughs) Um,
0: Because I was playing mono white, and then um, someone was playing. A, uh, a stern stern strict strict proctor against me oh yeah i was yeah. like none of my cards work on curve what is <laughs> hey this card enters the battlefield nope you can't get an anthem effect you can't uh it o-ring my creature blocks your thalia it, yeah <laughs> it blocks cleanly with thalia it's so annoying it was like oh okay spellbinders useless except for i guess it is yeah. it, it just trades with the spellbinder like it's i was like what the fuck <coughs> so that yeah, I was i totally
1: forgot about that card
0: it was really annoying because it was like oh they always had it on turn two and then i always had an inquisitor captain in my hand i'm like i can't i can't play this card this uh this
1: doesn't do it it's four mana yeah. three
0: three vigilance i don't i don't
1: want i mean yeah that. i mean inquisitor captain showing up is re- it's gonna push people more towards anti-etb yeah you know, stuff
0: and then you realize a lot of modern yeah. white is btb stuff so i
1: was running into a lot of I like i actually didn't run into a lot of people who just poured it over their standard deck but oddly enough the most common version of that for me was mono green where they jammed garrick into it that was like the the most common people porting their standard deck over that i ran into
0: yeah um
1: and uh it wasn't good
0: <laughs> yeah there were a couple Did- times i would see things or I was trying to follow some stuff on Twitter to be like, what should I play? And it was like, oh, you should play this Garuk And I was like, "Ah, I don't really want to, I don't want to craft that. I felt
1: like every time they played Garrick against me out of that deck, I always felt like even with the nerf, a Chariot would have been better. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly like, the nerf to a seek chariot all all already feels like a kind of neutered mono green a little bit mm-hmm. because that was how they would do It's like you'd trade for their two drop trade for their three drop. And then they'd slam the chariot and you're way behind. And now it's like they slam the chariot and whatever, or they slam a garrick and you know, again, whatever.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, so with the nerfed cards, have they done a good job? So I, I think
1: the nerfs have been awesome. Uh, The first and most important thing is that I don't really run into people playing All Runs Epiphany. Mm -hmm. And I think one or two people that did, it looked really bad. (laughs) Like it is what I didn't realize uh, when I first read the nerf is that the, even if you copy it, the copy doesn't make Ravens. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like the combo is just totally neutered. So there's really no reason to play the, like, Galvanic iteration All Runs Epiphany combo, it feels like. So anyone who would be playing All Runs Epiphany is trying to use it a little more as intended, where you just ramp into a battlefield and, like, take an extra turn. And, and in general, that's a bit lame. Uh, I still think Sikas Chariot is a good card, and Goldspan Dragon's still good, obviously, but I'm not seeing them everywhere. Like, they're not, they're not dominating the metagame by any means.
0: Yeah, I mean... I've seen Goldspan Dragon the most, I think, and it yeah, doesn't same. make me want to rip my hair out when I see it. It's like, sick, <laughs> that card's really good. I'm probably still going to lose, but I can kill it right now, and they can't counter, which is great. And I don't see it in yeah, that deck it, as much in, like, a counter. It feels show.
1: nice being rewarded for, like, holding up a kill spell for the dragon. Mm-hmm. and they, they tap out for it, and you, you kill it before combat, and you, you don't end up way behind. You know? Yeah.
0: Which is awesome. Yeah, so I've been happy with that. Uh, A note with the All Epiphany, I have run into that deck a couple times. However, they still keep in the Galvanic iteration for a a foretold one, just to take some extra turns. But um, it seems like they'll... I was playing against someone, at least, that was using the Galvanic iteration on just kind of any card that seemed good to copy. So their their whole deck is just, let's copy a ton of stuff. And so then the range right. of things it would do opened up drastically, and it became a really interesting deck to watch because it didn't really feel like I either copy the the discard a card, draw a bunch of cards, make a bunch of treasure thing, yeah. or All Runs of Unexpected Windfall. Yeah, Unexpected Windfall. Um, but they are playing like the... The two mana one three that when it etbs it's the blue one that makes a card in your hand cost two less forever, right? Yeah, or perpetually. Sorry, and then um, it's <laughs> classic. I don't know what any of the cards are called, um, <laughs> but, but there's one that's like, uh, oh gosh, let me let me look it up because I'm I'm definitely. I need to know what it actually does and not just pretend like I know what it's actually what it's actually doing. Okay. Um, so this isn't like a nerfed card, but this is one of the new cards that they added. And of course, I don't know the name of it, but I found it and it's called uh, Discover the Formula, which is four blue yes. blue for the instant that lets you seek three non-land cards, then non-land cards in your hand perpetually gain. This spell costs one less to cast. And this becomes a huge target for the Galvanic Iteration.
1: Oh, copying this is
0: insane. Because you get to do it twice to all the cards in your hand, and then everything costs, like, nothing. And the biggest thing with this is that it's an instant, so you can do it whenever you want (laughs) to.
1: Yeah, like, when your opponent Iteration and and then casts this i've already forgotten the name of the card discover Discover the formula formula. your chances of winning feel pretty similar to when they would copy all runs epiphany exactly (laughs) you would you'd still be like well i can't win like because they're untapping with six new cards that all cost two less or basically yeah three of them only cost one less but you know what i mean like yeah it's, it's crazy and uh You know, I want to talk about the blue red decks a little later for sure, but they haven't. They're not gone. Just be, but certainly they don't really play Allruns Epiphany
0: anymore. So uh. yeah, or if they do, it's not the same uh, chokehold that it used to be. right so kind of that they, if they play it it's almost
1: to buy time right more than to win the game with it
0: exactly yeah
1: so i think overall they did a good job with the nerfs i will say i tried to build a couple of omnath decks and omnath sucks there's no two ways about it he's bad <laughs> like omnath is bad him several times i've like done i've done the crazy shit where i go with cultivator colossus and drop all my lands and omnath gets the full trigger and i was still like well Omnath didn't really help me win that game. Like, my, uh, my Cultivator Colossus won me that game, and Omnath was there and, like, did four damage to them, and I gained four life. You mm-hmm. know? Like, it, didn't, it, was, it felt real bad. Like, the, the combination of an extra mana and the not replacing itself and only scrying was just, like, I play Omnath, they trade with it, and, you know, they, got, they really owned me because I, I paid five mana to scry, you know? yeah Um, yeah he sucks
0: (laughs) yeah i'm wondering if
1: that that band certainly worked or sorry that nerf certainly worked
0: it definitely does um it's also kind of high on people's radar of like kill that card if someone starts playing a land deck you're gonna see omnath and you need to kill it
1: well the best thing omnath did was i won a game because my opponent shouldn't have killed my omnath if
0: they did (laughs) so there you go so maybe we're going to start to see it will slowly change where it's like, oh, Omnath isn't really worth it anymore, and uh, we'll we'll look out for the other key pieces. So that's kind of fun. It's a real
1: eye opener when you're building your lands themed deck, and they put the Omnath goes in the same like mana value pile as your Renin Seven, mm-hmm. and you're just like, wait a minute. No, wait. No, wait. One of these cards is much better (laughs) than the other
0: one. (laughs) Is not. Um, So overall, it does feel like it is super fun. I don't know. All the new cards I've played with um, have been great. I have a story for later, so uh, we'll we'll get to that. But um, I've had a ton of fun with all the new cards. I don't even know all of them, which makes them super fun. People cast stuff and I have to read things again, which is...
1: Totally. O- always
0: a joy um it's probably my favorite thing about commanders when people play cards and i don't know what they are so kind of having this sense of yeah i know the standard cards really well i kind of know the alchemy cards and i go to it and it just feels kind of like this crazy format that i don't have a, a handle over um and cards will come out of people's hands for you're like what did you play and you're like <laughs> yeah. oh no they drafted that from that card earlier and you're like yeah. That's not even legal in the format. How did you do that? You know, this
1: guy's over here playing giant spiders. Yeah, like
0: shit. what the fuck? And it just that is just so much fun to me. Um, I I love that, so that's uh, that's great. Oh,
1: one, of my, one of my favorites is Grizzled Huntmaster. My opponent played that against me, and there's just like a, a minute pause, like I'm roping while I'm trying to figure out what the fuck. This yeah, card does, like, I still don't know what that card is. Does. Like, So basically it turns a creature in your hand into anything, a creature you own from outside the game. So it could be something that you've exiled previously or it can be something from your side. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it then gives you the option to remove all copies of that creature from your deck, which feels a bit extra. It doesn't really feel like they needed to do that. But then... However many of them came from your hand, you get that many, you get to tutor that many creatures from outside the game. So if you only had one in your hand, you only get one creature. But if you had two, then you're replacing the two creatures that were in your hand. Okay. So you can be like, I'm going to remove Lotus Cobra from my deck. I happen to have two of them in my hand. So I go get two creatures out of my sideboard, whatever. And so that's where I think it's most useful is if you have mana dorks and you don't want them late, you hold them in your hand, you play this and you trade them for something, some big you know, bomb in your sideboard. Like I was using it for my cultivator colossus out of the sideboard. Oh, that's cool. Turn, turn some crappy like tangled flora, He drawn into, into a, a
0: cultivator. colossus. Okay. That seems nice. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. kind of we- like the first thing it makes me think of is like, um, persistent petitioners. If you like mm-hmm. pull all of the persistent petitioners out of your deck which is like your whole deck and then you're just left with lands i guess right (laughs) um and there's combo there seems to be some weird combo in there (laughs) but okay i like that i like the uh, the the continued of trying to figure out how to make cards better in the late game that are kind of useless yeah it's really
1: confusingly worded but what it does is not that confusing the only weird part is it lets you like uh cranial extraction yourself yeah um,
0: cranial extraction but my opponent, myself <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> but when my opponent cast it i thought they got to tutor for each card they removed even from their deck not just from their hand i was like this is fucking busted he gets to trade like some shitty creature in his hand for four creatures he has in his sideboard what the fuck is it and then he only got one and i was like oh i see only the ones that were in your hand get replaced yeah that would be so ridiculous that would be
0: ridiculous but.
1: but the cards are fun though like i haven't seen any of the new cards where i was like i hate this you know like that i've actually played against or with in a game um the, the worst thing that can happen is that they're a little confusing, and when they're on the stack, it can be hard to figure out what's going to happen if you've never played against it before. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of Magic cards are already like
0: that. I was going to say, to be fair, a lot of Magic cards are kind of like that, and you can be like, ah, this one's not going to yeah. be that bad. And then it comes down, and you're like, oh, it's really bad.
1: Ah, whoops. Oh. Ooh,
0: that's Ooh, what it should it not
1: have let the Cultivator Colossus
0: resolve. Yeah, oh, it had a lot of lines of text, so I didn't read them, so... But um, yeah, I just
1: saw, like, Star Star or whatever. Exactly. Star Star Trample, no big deal.
0: Um, does this format, number one, feel different than standard? And number two, mm-hmm. does it feel close to other digital card games or too close? That, so what's the scale? Is it closer to standard or closer to other digital card games that we don't necessarily want to yeah, name?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um I haven't found that it feels like some of these other games where it's... Like, it still feels like magic to me. Yes. For sure. Um, the randomness is there, but for the most part, they do a good job of, like, not making it explicit. Like, it's not, like, deal three damage divided randomly. You know, which mm-hmm. which occurs in some of these other games, and you're like, oh, well, that I had no real control over. Here, the randomness is, like, when you... Uh, draft a card you get a choice of three so Mm -hmm. it still feels like you have some agency um and you're and when your opponent's doing it you're not like seeing that randomness explicitly you know so it's still the same kind of randomness that magic always has where it's like what order do you draw your cards in Mm -hmm. Uh, it it still feels like that to me yeah what what about you
0: no i i think you you nailed it with that with um literally the randomness because Mm -hmm. um there are certain things that feel strange, like, oh, add this card to your deck or whatever. But the things that frustrate me about other digital card games usually aren't those specific things. Um, usually right. it's their economy, I think, is strange, or their combat doesn't feel correct to me. Um, or, sorry, when I say economy. Oh, yeah,
1: combat's a huge one. Yeah, combat and is combat huge. Combat is what makes magic magic. Yeah.
0: Economy, I when I said economy, I meant. Um, their resources the resource management of the game not the way that they use like uh, dust or whatever um so those tend to be the things that um are most different and some of the random stuff yeah the deal three damage to to random targets is uh is frustrating and i don't know if that would make me feel super off magic maybe just that card i wouldn't like in magic um Mm -hmm. but but no it doesn't To me, it feels, it still feels like magic and it still feels like arena and I'm playing the same game and I'm barely phased. Like there's a lot of these cards I've already adapted to and I'm like, yep. Because we had lessons and we had other stuff that was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. You pull cards from outside the game. We've had wishes since forever. Like. Totally. Yeah. It's, it it doesn't feel strange. Exactly. It's kind
1: of like an extension of the wish mechanic and, and seeking doesn't feel that bad either like no. i haven't found that makes me um you know you like "Well, oh, seek this isn't magic you know because um, it's just kind of like the old anticipate kind of thing you get you're gonna get whatever the top creature exactly is or
0: whatever it, it's essentially any it's like uh, cascade yeah. right it's like the same thing but a little yeah, different. yeah it's similar to cascade uh, exactly you know it's like yeah it's just easier you know so um all in all i'm actually when i first heard about alchemy i was very low on it and i have again slowly (laughs) climbed out of the hole and come out and be like "Hmm, this is nice i actually i like this i don't i it'll be a nice refresher i don't know if it's something i'm going to put a lot of resources and investment into but i've really enjoyed what i've been playing so far
1: totally yeah
0: i've I've really
1: enjoyed playing it as well um and, and as to how much it feels like standard i mean right now it feels like a totally different format um, oh absolutely yeah like standard is just three decks and one of them isn't good <laughs> so it's like it's like mono white versus blue red um and this has you know, tons of different decks now we're still in the honeymoon phase here right like people are still trying out the new thing and uh there hasn't been a ton of articles from the pros telling you how to just win mm-hmm. <laughs> that's format yeah. yet um So maybe that'll change and it'll stabilize a bit. But what I like is that they could just change that. Um, So I think it's going to depend how much it feels like standard will depend on how aggressive they are with nerfs and and with, you know, changes. And I personally hope they're really aggressive with it, because to me, that's the point of this format. Mm -hmm. The reason not to like nerf and ban cards is because people invested in them and will be like, that sucks. But with this, they can say, hey, we warned you like that's what this format is if you buy something for the format alchemy you know don't don't plan on it sticking around for a long time Mm -hmm. if it's the best thing to be doing
0: yeah or staying the same and again it's like hey if you bought the cards for a deck or you spent your wild cards and your resources on a deck that you knew was busted to play it busted that is Mm -hmm. kind of your fault you know like hey
1: you can't then turn around and complain you know
0: (laughs) if you know it's busted and like isn't that awesome like yeah sure it can be fun to play busted decks and do those things but you know that you're on that that spectrum of you're closer to getting your deck banned than other people so just know
1: the chopping block there
0: (laughs) you know hey it's a just know that going in and that's totally fine yeah so
1: and so far it's felt more powerful than standard to me which obviously you know it's standard but with more cards Mm -hmm. but some of the good cards in standard were nerfed so i wasn't totally sure that it would be higher power level than standard necessarily but it feels like it is just from playing a few matches yeah
0: it feels it feels great so um Mm -hmm. anyway i have a lot more to say about this format but jeff i need another beer before i do that to make sure i can say it it. right i don't know anyway yeah
1: Yeah, I'm excited to get into, like, specific cards and decks after we have that sort of general format overview that we just did. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, let's go to a beer break. (laughs) This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over at Patreon.
1: That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening. But if you want to support the show even more, the Patreon is the best way to do that.
0: And when you become a patron, you get an exclusive invite to our after party, which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one where we ramble on about non-magic related things.
1: Plus, you get to vote on which one of us you like more by either buying me a beer
0: or buying me a beer. So go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com/slash arena regulars, to vote on your favorite host right now. All right. righty, Jeff. We got this new beer. In our our tap takeover from Fairweather. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Uh, so what we have here is
1: uh, Tranquilo, which is a Sour Saison. Mm. Um, when I bought it, I was actually thinking, you know, I haven't had a Saison in a while, actually. Um, I feel like those beers were all the rage like two years ago here, and now mm-hmm. nobody makes them anymore.
0: Oh, baby. Oh. <laughs> so it says it's a Sour Saison conditioned with fresh lime zest and sriracha ace yeah so that's a type of hops oh perfect i love that you can teach me all about hops <laughs> <laughs> uh, i should know more but i i don't um fantastic so this is uh like you said um a sour saison which is 5.7 percent. all right and the can has these uh just like a really nice kind of print looking um like, limes and oranges and lemons with, like, some leaves and things. It's uh, really delicate. Yeah, deli- it's
1: like a floral citrus print. It's very cool.
0: It's really cool. Oof. So far, I'm liking the, this. This
1: cool. one came recommended, so I picked out the just the pale ale and then the, uh, well, I won't spoil what the next one is, but I mm-hmm. picked that one out as well. And then I saw that they had a couple two different saisons on the menu, so I asked uh, uh, the wonderful server who, or, well, the the person who was working the Beer, bottle takeout yeah. window because that's what it was. It was like a little window on the side, uh, and they recommended uh, this one out of the two saisons because it uh, it has some punch to it. I guess mm-hmm.
0: we will talk about this later, but let's get back into some alchemy because we still have some thoughts on that. So I kind of want to talk about just some just new cards that we've been playing against a lot and just things that have just been added basically to the format. They're like, oh, this is now a card I see all the time. Um, so maybe the first one to,
1: to talk about is Key to the Archive. Uh, Zach, do you want to tell everyone what this card does? Because I know you're an expert in, in exactly how this card works. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so Key to the Archive is a four-mana artifact that enters the battlefield tapped, and it taps for two mana of any combination of colors, And then it says, when Key to the Archive enters the battlefield, draft a card from Key to the Archive spellbook, then discard a card. All right. So this is kind of a long story, but I'm going to try to make it not so long. But anyway, (laughs) when I had first got into alchemy, uh, or when after the update happened, the only thing I wanted to figure out was whether the arena only or the arena starter cards, which are like some of the cards that you play in the color challenges, that are legal in best of one, standard always, if they are also legal in alchemy, best of three. So okay. I basically bit built this bullshit mono black deck that had like <laughs> Rakshasa, whatever. Basically, like the, it was like the three meta five five that makes you discard a card And then, like, the five mana... Never heard of it. It, And then there's, like, a five mana 4-4 that says, like, when it enters the battlefield, it deals damage to your opponent equal to the number of swamps you control. Um, Okay. Something like that. So these weird (laughs) cards, that they're not in paper. They've never been printed in paper. They've only been printed in Arena. And they're only legal in standard best of one. So I was like, let's see if these are legal in standard best of three. explains why
1: I've never heard of them. Exactly. So...
0: (laughs) um i built this deck just you know in two minutes just to be like all right let's just see i click pl- the play thing in mean, best of three and the first who knows part, with the new yeah let's, play blade, let's it's yeah. my first thing let's just go i just want to see if my deck is legal and if i can literally draw it and play the cards and who happens to be my first opponent but saffron olive <laughs> I've never played against Saffron Olive in my life and I feel immediately embarrassed because the deck I'm playing is this <laughs> bullshit
1: <laughs> mono black deck. I pull. But if there's anyone to run into who might be running an even dumber deck than you, you know? like
0: <laughs> Yes. So I was like, oh my God, this is so awful. But I was like, all right, let's just see how this goes. Hopefully he's just playing around and not in a video or anything and I won't. You know, it won't have my fucking name on this thing forever. Anyway, um, as I'm playing through, it's just like kind of this aggressive mono black deck, and he's just like land pass, land pass. I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on, and he plays Key to the Archive, and I'm like, okay. I look, I mouse over it. It says something, something spell book, and tap for two men. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, if you remember last week, I did mention that I'm never giving a shit about what is in the spell books and I'm never going to read what is in the <laughs> spell books. Uh, which I didn't. And I'm playing It's ag- like
1: first game. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: First game. <laughs> that matters. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm playing against Saffron Olive and it's like, you know, the first couple hours of this format. So nobody really knows what's going on and we're all trying to figure it out. And the first real spell he ever plays is Approach to the Second Son. And I'm like, how the fuck did you play that card? I was like, <laughs> where did that come from? And then I immediately, in my mind, was like, I guess Mystical Archive cards are legal in alchemy. <laughs> right, they, were, they were in Strixhaven. They were in Strixhaven. It slipped through the cracks somehow, and uh, it's it must be a mistake. Or maybe it's just part of the format. I have no idea what's going on. So I'm like, sure, okay. He's playing this Approach to the Second sun deck. He was using this... Um, mana <laughs> this mana rock to just like <laughs> ramp into it great um we play through it and then he plays time warp i'm like what what the hell and i was like what the fuck is this so we're playing through a couple games and um i think i ended up like squeaking out wins just from stupid stuff but he's like countering my cards with counterspell. i'm like what <laughs> is going on Why is this happening? Spelt that.
1: Counterspell this. (laughs)
0: Uh, So then later he posts up on his Twitter, hey, so apparently... And he takes a screenshot of it. Apparently, the arena-only cards are are, uh, legal in in alchemy. And I was like, hey, that's me. Also, are the mystical archive cards that? And then a bunch of people on Twitter were like, that's what the key to the archive does. And everyone's like, no, it's the key. The key is the one. And I was like, key. (laughs) Oh. And then I went back and looked. Oh, so the key to the archive is... The Archive of the Library in Strixhaven. (laughs) The Key to the Mystical Archive. Oh, that makes sense. And then I was like, oh, all the cards you can draft are from Mystical Archives. So that makes sense. (laughs) So I just look really stupid. All in all. And you, like, messaged me
1: being like, so, are the mystical archive cards legal? I'm in the deck builder when I get that message. I'm like, well, it's not letting me put them in. So, I don't know. He must have built like a non alchemy deck. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was picked in the, that. We were trying to figure out, play, out how the hell he was
1: playing these cards. He <laughs> could
0: have just, I could have just read the card. Um, but to be well, fair, no, you would
1: have to read the 15 cards that are next to the card. Or like exactly. <laughs>
0: um, so, that was my first alchemy experience. Um, so, hey, if you were confused or you felt dumb this weekend,
1: welcome to the club,
0: because (laughs) I sure did. Just
1: think about us, because we felt dumber, probably. Felt
0: really dumb. I was like, I should know this, but I'm still not going to read the (laughs) the (laughs) spell books. (laughs) I learned nothing. I'm still not going to. I learned nothing from this. Just, oh, the key will get you archive (laughs) cards. That's what I need to know.
1: And it's so funny that that happened because, like, just a few days earlier, I played against Saffron Olive for the first time <laughs> yeah. ever. And, like, we all play a lot of Arena. And I just happened to match against him for the first time. And then, like, three days later, you matched against him for the first time. <laughs>
0: it, was like, it was so weird. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, hey, at least we get to put that, like, we maybe we get, like, a badge that says, oh, we played against Saffron yeah. Olive. And we get um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, we need we need a deciding game because I think we split against him. Because in my games, he just his deck didn't do its thing. It just didn't do anything, and I like killed him with a Kazandu Mammoth. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. but um, anyway, yeah. So key to the archive. That's a card that's been everywhere, and uh, been dealing with a lot. And it's a lot easier to play against once you know it. Um, yeah.
1: It's really good, though, because, like, it doesn't get card advantage, really, because you have to discard, Mm -hmm. but you're upgrading to something that is almost certainly much better. Like, I was looking at, uh, for the first time, Mm -hmm. I was looking at the spell book. I think the worst three you could possibly see is Claim the Firstborn, Mm -hmm. Crozen, Grip, if they don't have any artifacts or enchantments, and, like, Growth Spiral, which is, like, you still get a Growth Spiral. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, and (laughs) in the best of times, you know, it gets you a time warp and curves right into it. So this card has really impressed me. And it's obviously also really good with Teferi, um, because an artifact that taps for two and gets untapped by Teferi's plus one, like Teferi generates three extra mana off the plus one from a land and untapping this. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, this card, I didn't even know it was in the set. I must've like skimmed over it while reading because... Um, I didn't realize that the draft a card would be from the mystical archives. But now that I know that it's like, this card's pretty crazy. You could get some insane stuff.
0: You can get really insane stuff. And the fact that you're drafting it, it's not just, Oh, you get one of the 15. It's like, no, you get to pick the best one of the three you see. And you like, there's what is the chances you're going to see the worst three in your, you know, when you play it like 15, choose three. Sorry. What (laughs) is that? A math thing? yes so what are is there a, <laughs> is that just how you say it
1: yeah yeah it's called it's you say 15 choose three because you're like it's 15 things and you're choosing three of them oh but it, it the formulas uh, involves like factorials um so it's one in 455
0: okay all right well uh there you go it's <laughs> one in 455 <laughs> that you will get the three worst ones <clears throat> and i like those odds those are good odds so yeah four,
1: 15 choose three just to be pedantic is four hundred and fifty five so the problem that's like each possi- those are the number of possibilities of choosing three different things from a pool of fifteen
0: sick all right, I like that I'm gonna start using more uh <coughs> math lingo like that as you start to tutor yeah. me um, <laughs> but yeah, this is obviously a card that um. Looks terrible to me because it just seems boring. It enters tapped. It taps for mana, and it does something that I don't immediately know what's going on. Um, so <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, maybe I should it read. Confused me,
1: so I hate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, classic, classic Magic player. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, Jeff, what's some more cards that uh, that seemed uh, impactful? All right. So the one I want to
1: talk about here because this is the card I've. Crafted and played mm. the most of. Uh, I know what it is. is. Sanguine brush stroke
0: Absolutely, um, it is. As
1: you may have guessed, I've been playing a lot of uh, aristocrat style decks, in particular uh, of the Rakdos of the Rakdos variety. Mm-hmm. And I love this card. So, uh, this is the card that comes down. It's a three mana enchantment. It makes a blood artist <laughs> and a blood token. You know, so that the artist has something to paint with. Mm-hmm. And then uh, whenever you sack a blood token, you drain them for one as well. So before Ikoria rotated out, I loved playing Rakdos uh, Sacrifice. And the key card to that was a 3 man enchantment that made a 1-1 and gave you the blood artist effect. Because you really need that blood artist effect for these decks to be good. And this card does that. It literally makes a blood artist, and it makes blood. So a lot of people have been playing this, uh, but obviously as soon as I saw this card, I was like, I have to play this deck too. And this card's the real deal. Like, it's put sacrifice decks back on the map because uh, you just get drained. Like, you're in this damned if you do, damned if you don't, where they have a huge board, but if you like wrath of God, you're going to take a ton of damage from the blood Mm artists. Really, uh, it really gives the deck some inevitability.
0: You can't even stop the creatures, because there, if anything makes a blood token, you're fucked. Like, <laughs> Right,
1: and that's why I like Rakdos, is I like the creatures that make blood tokens to kind of double whammy on, really make take advantage of Sanguine Brushstroke as much as possible.
0: Yeah, I definitely saw this card and was like, oh yeah, I think this card seems cool. And then somebody played it against me, I'm like, all right that's fine then they played two more against me i'm like oh my god i can't do (laughs) anything so yes this is a good card i when i read it
1: the first time i thought the blood artist went into your hand i just assumed like i auto completed that in my brain and i was like i don't know if that's gonna be good enough and then i read it again i was like wait it goes right onto the battlefield no no this card's awesome
0: (laughs) yeah so it's basically like, okay, so I drew a Blood Artist. It costs one more, but I get a blood token and this enchantment that sticks around. Amazing. <laughs> like, exactly. so good. Uh, yes. Um, I also like this card. I haven't played with it, but I've played against it. And um, I think we're going to see it for quite a while. And you're right. I, I wasn't thinking about the Blood Artist and the blood with the flavor. Uh, that is... Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, obviously, it's very easy to see, but I, of, of course, did not see it. So. It's, uh, yeah.
1: it's just nice, right? It's, and nice. it's called Sanguine Brushstroke. And uh, it all comes together really nicely.
0: It all really comes together. I like that. Um, last week, we talked a lot about Inquisitor Captain, um, mainly the fact that, once again, I did not know what it did and then realized what it did. <laughs> um, but it's it's good. It's really good. I talked about it a little bit yeah, earlier. Dude. And uh, I think we'll it's see it. It's held up to the
1: hype, I think. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to continue to see it. And um, yeah, I, I like it a lot. And it's really, it's a big thing that Mono White needed for Wrath Protection, which is good in this type of situation, um, where uh, kind of in, against the, uh, the in regular standard, or I guess it's not regular, it's just standard. In standard, Standard. uh, (laughs) the uh, Is It Epiphany deck is mainly just, like, you know, ramping to their, or just, like, racing to their combo and just trying to one-for-one kind of trade-off stuff uh, until they get Uh there. Um, So you're not using a lot of, like, Wrath Protection. But in a format that has a bunch of, like, creature decks and is doing a bunch of these other weird things, Wrath Protection can be helpful. And now, technically, it doesn't, like, save any of your creatures but just keeping an Inquisitor Captain in your hand until they wipe the board and then you play that for four and then get another creature and like just rebuild immediately feels really good. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah. what else you got? And they're like, damn it. If you've ever
1: played a Collected Company deck against a Wrath of God deck, you know what it feels like when they Wrath of God and you're like, don't care. Just mm-hmm. do, just gonna totally re-up. This isn't quite as good because Coco would come like on the end step when they tapped out to Wrath. It's just like, well, yeah. I did... I accomplished nothing. This one is like, at least they they bought themselves a turn with the Wrath. But uh, it still feels bad if you Wrath the board and your opponent drops this. It's like, well, two more threats to deal with right away.
0: Yeah. Uh, You don't get that extra combat step with Coco. With Coco, you get an extra one because... You do it on their end steps. Yeah, so you with Coco, it feels
1: like they did nothing when mm-hmm. the Wrath of God. But if they don't, then the Coco adds two more creatures and they're dead. So it's like. <laughs> exactly. You know, but then. There's just nothing they can do.
0: Then. Yeah. Um, this one is nice, though, because there are those weird chances where Coco doesn't. It either misses completely or only gets you one creature that isn't really worth it. Um, and this one, you always get two. You will always get two creatures, and you get to pick one of them.
1: Yeah. Now, there are weird things that can happen, right, where, like, I don't know if your opponent exiles your graveyard, uh, exiles, or, like, if you commit too much to the battlefield, say, uh, it actually isn't on anymore. Is that true? you need a certain number. Yeah, because it doesn't actually check the battlefield, weirdly enough.
0: Oh, you're right. Yeah, graveyard hand and library. Oh, that is weird. Okay. So
1: you, you need to be like oddly cognizant of your creature count, basically, in your whole deck. Because it's like, if I run 23 creatures, you know, that's obviously, I should be running more than that. But let's say I run 23 and I have four of them on the battlefield.
0: You're screwed. Uh,
1: This won't turn on. If this is the fourth
0: it's, creature that you play.
1: <laughs> right, if I have three of them on the battlefield, then I cast this. It's like... It it just whiffs, but also if your opponent manages to exile your graveyard in a long game, you might not have enough left. Or uh, if they, you know, this is my favorite way. If they hit you with a Tasha's hideous laughter, this might turn off.
0: So, Ooh, uh, that's true. <laughs> Ooh, Tasha's hideous. But laughter. as as long
1: as you you meet the requirement of like twenty creature cards, uh, in your graveyard, hand, and library, then you're right. This always gets two creatures.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's
1: shenanigans of like flickering this you know that doesn't exist with Coco that's um, true if you want to go that
0: route Um, however this does get turned off by Strict Proctor so um, (laughs) Coco does not
1: good old Strict Proctor alchemy's strongest
0: so good Um, but Jeff I do want to talk about an archetype that needed some love and got some love Yes. and I'm loving
1: it yes
0: I know where we're going werewolves man so good (laughs) ah man
1: yeah i mean i've wanted werewolves to be good in constructed like since before midnight hunt came out because i assumed that when midnight hunt came out that would be true and they were a bit lackluster in midnight hunt because even if you're playing gruel you should just be playing the you know the magda uh ramp into the chariot and gold's dragon version exactly and so with the nerf to those cards, as well as the extra werewolves injected with the alchemy set, I think werewolves is finally maybe tier one. Like I got, I've gotten ripped apart by a few werewolves decks.
0: Yeah, I mean like the play pattern of like turn one Tenacious Pup into turn two Rahilda into turn three Tovalar mm-hmm. is gross.
1: Yeah, I think having a, a reasonable one drop for Tovalar is huge Mm -hmm. and now they have two options with the i don't know the one drop wolf that came in crimson Valley. yeah
0: ascendant pack leader or something um yeah i think that's right uh yeah i think i like tenacious pup more than ascendant pack leader actually same yeah because ascendant pack leader cares about four or more cost stuff and tenacious Mm -hmm. pup is more aggressive and it wants you to play twos and threes like play a creature right after me that's what i really like about it Um, i love that it weirdly gains you one life i don't know why it does that but (laughs) also vigilance is huge on it like even playing like a werewolf pack leader uh right after the tenacious pup you're just like all right i got a four a two mana four four with vigilance and trample like on turn two like what are you gonna do (laughs) it sucks so much it's crazy
1: (laughs) and then i think that makes it so that um because it has the 1-1 one, one counter, if you ever activate the the 2-drop wolf, it now turns itself on. Because on. it becomes a 5-3 with a counter, so it's 6. It turns on its own pack tactics. Pack
0: tactics. Yeah. Werewolf pack leader, man. Getting better. I, I've played a bit of Tenacious Pup in some bullshit uh, werewolf decks where I did not want to craft <laughs> Rahilda yet.
1: Yeah, um, I, I didn't pull the trigger on it because it's like 4 Mythic Rare wild cards or whatever, but... Uh... I don't know, maybe you can get away with two Rihildas, but Rahilda's really good. Rahilda's very good. Um, and giving it trample is also huge because it triggers off dealing combat damage to a player.
0: Exactly. Uh, so Rihilda is interesting because it feels very, very similar to um, the robber of the rich. Yes. Right, because like it cares about if you attacked with a certain creature type to play cards and then... Um, I don't know if I like first strike more than uh, haste, but I might. It seems harder to deal with in combat. Sometimes the robber of the rich, you could just like block forever, or just like kill it.
1: Yeah, they're they're slightly they're definitely reminiscent, mm-hmm. uh, slightly different because this triggers on dealing combat damage, and robber I
0: think triggers on attacks. Oh, on attack. attacks! You're right. You're right. So they, you, so you would often got like it.
1: chump the robber of the rich, chump attack it in the late game. Mm-hmm but I think generally this is a little better in combat. Like you say, plus it can flip, right? And
0: yeah. A and then you get striker. That's you get insane. two triggers off of it. Um, uh,
1: and the, and then again, the counter from your tenacious pup goes a long way. If it flips and mm-hmm. has trample and double strike and it's a three, three, like it's just an absolute, House. absolute beast in combat.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: Uh, and then the other one that I, I haven't been as impressed with, but you know, it's still there. The blood rage alpha, um, it's like the, the fight Lord. It comes oh, down. Oh, right, right, right. Makes stuff fight other stuff. I, I don't know if I would play that cause it, just because it's a four mana. I don't know if I'm playing that over like other options. Like Even the, the Planeswalker might be better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of but, like You know like, you have options.
0: Yeah, I've liked having the one... Um, like uh, a single version of the, the two mana... Uh, sorry. It's like two red, red... For a 3-3 werewolf that, like, whenever it's dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target creature or player, or I guess any target. Um, And then when it flips, it says every creature you control has that ability, where if it's dealt damage. um, And I've kind of liked that one, because if you can get it tonight, you just alpha strike, and it's like, you can't do anything. Um, So having one of those weird caveats in there is it can be kind of nice but uh but yeah werewolf seems really fun um i have a pretty terrible build of it right now but i've been having fun anyway so
1: (laughs) and yeah and and, you know as as a whole archetype i think one of the huge things that happened too we didn't talk about this in the nerfs but uh is it just me or does faceless haven suck now
0: it's not great it's not really worth playing anymore Right?
1: I know. It's crazy. I didn't think the one point of power would make this much of a difference, but now when I play against it, I'm like, 3-3. Three, three. Who cares? Yeah, because all the <laughs> stuff that
0: you're, you know, all the creatures that matter are for power, or for toughness.
1: And I think that that helps a deck like Werewolves compete, because before it was like, if you're playing aggro, you might as well be monocolored to get Faceless Haven. mm mm-hmm. And now it's like, that's not worth it anymore. And the creature lands that Gruul has are the best. So mm-hmm. uh, now it's like Werewolves just has the best creature lands in addition to getting pumped up a bit in power. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Kind of nice. I'm, 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 I'm happy that, uh, that, that you know, Faceless Haven got a little bit of the boot.
1: I was like getting torn to shreds by a Werewolves deck that went, you know, exactly what you said, Tenacious Pop mm-hmm. into Rahilda into... Uh, tovalar mm-hmm. and I just had a huge smile on my face when I knew that on turn two I knew I wasn't going to win this game. Yeah, but I was just like, "Yes, I'm getting crushed by werewolves." There that's we fun. go.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. but our last card, this one, Jeff, do you want to talk about it? Because it surprised yeah. me a bit. I wanted to talk about it mostly just because I've seen it a lot.
1: Yes, and that's Toral's Disciple. So this is the two in a red three three haste, and whenever it attacks. It puts four lightning bolts into your deck. <laughs> um, I'm still not totally sold on, like, I still don't know how to feel about this card, but a lot of people are playing it in some sort of, like, burn shell. And I'm getting bolted out of the game a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this card is funny because I have played against it many, many times. I have never seen a lightning bolt, ever. so
1: that's how this card should work like this card doesn't seem good to me but it's all over the place and people are talking about it and like to me if you're interested in a three three haste then you're interested in this card uh and you should view that other part as like a pretty minor upside Mm -hmm. but uh i'm just seeing so many people play this so i have to maybe maybe they are seeing something that i'm not i have gotten lightning bolted a lot uh, personally um although i did test of talents a lightning bolt and remove 11 copies from yes. my opponent's deck. <laughs> which was just fun because it was like i know that i didn't really accomplish much more than negating a lightning bolt but still it was fun that's amazing <laughs>
0: that's so good i've been seeing a little bit of that around twitter just like the hopes of doing that so i'm so happy for you that you were able to oh do i that. did it yeah oh that's amazing <laughs> That's so cool.
1: (laughs) I don't, I think I still lost though, because, you know, this thing attacked me three times.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Man, (laughs) that's so funny. Uh, All in all, I think I am really happy with all the new cards. You know, I've been seeing a lot of stuff. People have been, uh, you know, embracing it a lot uh, and just being like, hey, I'm going to play these cards. It's fun. You know, I even myself was like, oh, I guess I could use all my uncommon wild cards on these cards. Might as well just have them. There's no reason I wouldn't. Yeah, why not? Right. Why not? They're just sitting there. So um, that was kind of nice. And uh, it's been fun. You know, certain things like being able to play against a sacrifice deck that's playing Cursebound Witch instead of Twitch, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. just different. It's just nice. It is the breath of fresh air that uh, I was hoping it would be. And I think it will continue to be like that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on board.
1: Yeah, I feel exactly the same. And hopefully, you know, continues to to stay... Fresh. ...interesting. And fun. Fresh, yeah. Um, and I think we talked about most of the decks that I would consider to be top decks in the format. The only one I would say is that... Uh, I don't know if we mentioned Clerics uh, when we talked about Inquisitor cl- Captain, but I'm seeing a lot of people play Clerics.
0: Yeah, I guess I... W- <laughs> There have been a lot of people playing clerics. I was thinking in my mind that it was um, actually a party deck, but it's really just Angel of Unity giving all the clerics a a bump because they're part of the party. So it's not really...
1: My opponent played that card. I thought it was a party deck. Then I was like, oh, you're just doing it to buff clerics. I guess that actually makes sense.
0: It does make sense. I do like that. Um, Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of vampire decks, uh, a a ton of those, because... The frickin' dragon from Kaldheim is a vampire, the Rakdos one. Um, yes. <laughs> didn't remember that was a vampire until I was like, what?
1: Good old Immerstern Predator. You got Vampire be, dragon.
0: Gotta be freaking kidding me. <laughs> um, before I ask you what you're playing right now, I want to talk about the mm-hmm. deck I'm playing right now. Yes. Uh, do it. So, like I was saying before, I was on the mono-white train, and then Stern Proctor smacked me right in the face, and then I stopped. Uh, but the Stern Proctor player was playing this pretty sweet Azorius Spirits deck. So I was like, hmm, that okay. sounds pretty fun. <laughs> so I ended up building this Azorius. Sounds sp- like it has a lot of auras in it. Mm-hmm. Down. So I ended up building this Azorius Spirits deck, which I am playing Catilda and a bunch of the auras and the stuff that I like. Um, nice. But a lot of the game plan is kind of like play these other creatures to block and really your end of the game plan is just Faithbound Judge will be played and either kill them or die, and then you'll kill them with the aura. And now right. I'm building the deck kind of the way that you wanted. And I I needed some tweaks and I need to fix it a little bit. But at the moment it's like, alright. First game plan, just straight up tribal creatures. And I'm playing the Geist Patrician. Patrician? Is that the right? It's the the it's like two and a blue for a two-two with flying that gives all your spirits plus one plus one, and then Every card that you play from your graveyard costs one less. So I'm kind of trying to ramp into oh, yeah. my my aura, a curse against them from Faithbound Judge, by using um, Faithful Looting and stuff, and Faithful Mending. Okay. Faithful Mending.
1: Right. Faithful Mending. Yeah.
0: To 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 throw it into the yard, um, while also having this creature strategy. But um, so basically, I play game one, full creatures. Let's go. Let's try to kill and then I side out a bunch of different creature things, bring in a bunch of removal and counter spells, and just go straight, counter your shit, and then just try to get my combo to work. <laughs> and it nice. has been it. a blast. <laughs> um, so that sounds great. Especially Do when you, you play
1: the Inquisitor Captain?
0: No, I haven't played the Inquisitor Captain. I was thinking about it, but I was like... I don't know if I want it to be that strong. In, like I just wouldn't
1: know what to say if my opponent played Inquisitor Captain
0: and then hit Faithbound Judge off it. Like, What's happening? <laughs> What's going on right now? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. So, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of uh, legendary creatures, so it sometimes it's hard to be like... It could be a situation where it's, like, I play Inquisitor Captain, I'm like, I already have both of those legendary creatures on the battlefield. I don't know. So... Um, I should try that out, but I'm interested in moving possibly more to a control deck and playing the Azorius control deck you were talking about with Auron's Epiphany and playing the Auron's Epiphany thing where you try to make that card cheaper so that I can take all the turns and make my curse go off. Um, yes. So it's it kind of started as like this Aura Spirits deck and is kind of morphing into that deck that we had talked about before. So um, I love it. I am having a blast working with that. Uh, So Azorius has been so much fun. But uh, Jeff, what are you playing right now? Oh, I'm on mostly my Rakdos uh, Mm. Brushstroke Blood Sacrifice
1: deck. It's it's just like I love playing those kinds of decks. I'm honestly just a bit bummed that I think this deck might be tier one. So it's like a lot of people are playing it. A lot of people have hate for it. And, uh, you know. I wanted to, to build... As soon as I saw that card, I was like, I'm going to go build this. And then now I don't now I don't feel unique because a lot of people thought that same thing. Yeah. But, uh, I've, I've always loved the rack sack deck, as I call it. And, uh, <laughs> rack sack. that's great. And then I've been trying to, as usual, make my Cultivator Colossus, just like I was in Standard, make some sort of Cultivator Colossus deck work with Ren Seven and stuff. So i um, been trying every color combination under the sun for that. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's been a lot of fun too. Um, yeah, I mean, going forward, I there are a few different ideas that I have too. Like we talked about the mono red dragons with Chandra thing when mm-hmm. Chandra was spoiled. I think that could be a cool deck in in alchemy because you got a few more red dragons that could yeah uh, and some ramp spells into the deck. So yeah, you know. So I think honestly, like if you, if there's any cards that you were excited for for standard or even from the new alchemy set just build around them and, and like have fun because that's what alchemy is right now yeah I, I do have a concern though that i think the best deck in the format might actually still be blue red control <laughs> um, they just don't play all runs epiphany to kill you anymore mm-hmm. they now have this key to the archive uh, shenanigans where they're like it's like you said they gov they'll give galvanic iteration almost got better because they can't play epiphany because mm-hmm. now they're using it you know it's they're using it in more things like copying a mystical archive card is ridiculous yeah <laughs> like and i've gotten hit with the curve of the key to the archive turn four turn five iteration time warp and i was like that's bullshit <laughs> That, like, accelerated their combo turn thing because now they have seven mana on turn five and they can iteration in the time warp. Yeah. And I was just like, well, that's that's stupid. And like you said earlier with the uh, the card that I always for, r- forget the name of, but the six drop that draws you three cards and makes your hand cheaper. Like, that feels almost as backbreaking as Elron's Epiphany did, it, especially when copied. It so,
0: almost feels worse. Discover the formula. I know. <laughs> it's just
1: because... So do you remember when they the like omnath decks were running rampant right when mm-hmm. the set was released and it was all omnath ramp and they're like okay we're gonna ban uro so that the omnath ramp deck is a little neutered but not completely uh destroyed mm-hmm. and then the players had to get more creative and figured out that omnath adventures was the best deck in the format and so it's like they tried to ban they banned something to try to weaken a deck but it only made the players get more creative with their deck building and they found a better deck. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like that's what happened here. <laughs> <laughs> like this deck is probably better than the deck was when it had fully powered all runs Epiphany. Now there's some new cards, right? But it's still like this deck probably is better than that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, discover the formula being an instant, but the, so this is the great thing. We know that this card is a digital only card they can mm-hmm. nerf the shit out of this if they want. If they yeah, think exactly. that seek the or sorry, discover the formula is too powerful as an instant, they can change the mana cost, they can change the abilities, maybe it doesn't get as many cards, maybe it's not an instant, all that kind of stuff. So um, Oh yeah,
1: making it a sorcery would really, really destroy it. Mm-hmm. Um, Or, you know, they could make Galvanic Iteration a Sorcery just in this format,
0: Yeah, for example. that's true. So all those kinds of things. uh, We have those tools at our disposal. Sorry, they have those tools at their disposal, and we get to wait to see what they do with them. But I'm much more excited about this whole alchemy rebalancing thing than I originally was. And, um, hey, being able to play a format that's just, you know, Arena is already super different than Paper, just inherently by, like, how quickly you can draft, and, and just your collection, and how you can use cards without having to resleeve decks, and all, the, all those kinds of things. Like It is already different, yeah, so totally. leaning into the differences feels like the right choice to me. And uh, I like Paper being its own thing, and Arena being its own thing. Um, yeah. Even exactly. though they're the same game.
1: I think there's a good chance that alchemy is the format I play the most moving forward. Mm -hmm. Just because I've really liked standard before, but then it stales out. And that's when I start dipping my toe into like historic and other stuff when standard kind of stagnates. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if I can get the best of the best of both worlds here, where it's still that, you know, slightly lower power level that standard has, but it's not, it doesn't stagnate as easily. That sounds great.
0: Yeah. Sounds great to me. So on board, Alchemy gets a home run slam dunk. So as my
1: my final thought here before we go to the beer break, I wanted to complain about one more thing about the stupid blue-red deck. All right, perfect. Because this wasn't obvious to me on the uh, at first blush, um, but my opponent did divide by zero their own key to the Archive to go get another Mystical Archive card with it, and I thought that was BS.
0: <laughs> That's really good. Because they
1: tapped two mana to from the key to cast the divide by zero. And I was just like, this feels unfair. <laughs>
0: that feels so good. Cause not only do you learn, yeah. but you also get,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're card neutral here. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's so good. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Um, I like that though. I like that a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I've also had somebody iteration on, uh, um, what is it? Demonic tutor. Oh my gosh, are you from kidding? Key to the Archive, which yeah. just sets up their combo perfectly. They get two, whatever two cards they want. So <laughs> there's been some messed up stuff with this blue-red uh, control deck and Key to the Archive. I don't know if it's supposed to be Jeskai with Teferi, because obviously Teferi and Key are, are busted, or if it's supposed to be like Grixis or something. Um, but the... Oh, yeah, and, and just to just to keep going, uh, you get to recast your Mystical Archive cards with Leer. So oh my they p- play God. Lear and then they recast all of these busted cards out of their graveyard. It's just like the whole package comes together really well. And uh, the-, the deck seems insane to me. So that's my recommendation. If you want to win, you should play the blue-red, some some version of the blue-red control deck that takes advantage of the Mystical Archive cards.
0: Yeah. And if you don't have Key to the Archive in your collection already, be wary that it might get rebalanced. It might get
1: rebalanced, yeah.
0: (laughs) This seems busted. Especially when it's not extremely easy to know what cards are in the spell book. Because you can't really (laughs) hover over the card and see that. So, When my opponent
1: copied the Demonic Tutor, that's when I was like, I gotta go read this spell book because I did not think that card would be in it. (laughs) Exactly. What the hell is that?
0: (laughs) A card that isn't legal in historic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah
1: right and they have like counterspell and lightning and bullets. lightning
0: bolt and you're like okay yes these are mystical archive cards that are i guess legal in historic brawl but like not regular historic these are okay <laughs> i'm gonna calm down yeah.
1: but uh sometimes uh, so, the spell yeah, books are guess... better
0: than you think they are
1: yeah yeah exactly um and I highly recommend uh, packing some sort of artifact and enchantment hate in the 75, because this card is great. Uh, and the sanguine, you know, blood blah brushstroke is also an enchantment that's really good. And there's just more artifacts and enchantments than there used to be that matter. And so when you're building your werewolves deck, play that. Uh, Outland Liberator. You know, that's just, literally just throw what, it in the main deck.
0: That's like literally what I was gonna say. I was like, "You need to play that Werewolf. That's the two mana <laughs> kill a thing."
1: If finally, it <laughs> has a purpose. Yes. yes.
0: Besides, just a Seeker's Chariot and uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, the, and uh, you Ranger can kill class. Zach's like curse that makes you lose.
0: The- no, n- shut up. <laughs> no, never mind. Those cards are not important. Don't kill my curse. <laughs> All right, Jeff, I think it's uh, time for last call and to grab our third beer for the night because it's a special night. All righty, Jeff. Tell me what we got right now.
1: Ooh. Feels weird not to have the, the big reveal. I know. One, you know? <laughs> it's weird. But, you know, as usual, we still did, hope, maybe, save the best for last year mm-hmm. because this is called Silky and it's an oat porter Ooh, yeah um i'm really excited to, to give this one a try um so adding oats to your beer like silky is kind of the perfect word for it it, it kind of increases the mouth feel like the body it, it mm-hmm. makes it smooth and silky so uh that's why they've called it this um this can looks awesome too uh similar to the last one it's like a print right it's like a yellow print with the Like, American Cabin and bears all over it.
0: Yeah. Um, It's like, if they... Like a
1: bear chilling on a picnic table.
0: (laughs) Is this just Yogi? Is this just, like, a realistic Yogi the Bear? Just going around, chilling, eating picnic (laughs) baskets?
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: it looks like it. I (laughs) want this. Actually, I want all the cans as prints for a short-sleeve button-up shirt all
1: right you, you heard that Fairweather, make it happen make it happen
0: because i want a shirt with all the the art from the cans because it's amazing um this one says a rich soft american style porter brewed with heaps of oats mm-hmm. i'm really into this it's 5.5 percent beautiful just beautiful oh go check out our instagram if you want to see these uh or or go check out their website actually it's a uh, fair brewing just remember that but all right jeff um Let's take let's take some time to drink this one because we we've drank the other ones, but uh, as we make sure you get some sips in as we continue to talk about how we rate things and uh, and, and rate some other beers. but. For mm. sure. So if you are new to the show, we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the Tears in Arena. Hey, look at that. Whoa. So, as always, this means nothing to your tier, personally, because, hey, everyone has to be in a tier at some point, and you'll get wherever you want to go, or wherever you need to be. Uh, those tiers are just for fun, on Arena, and when we rate beers. However, bronze beers are trash. Bronze beers are the worst, you just throw them out, you can't even finish raking them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say I've spent plenty of time in bronze tier, but um, that doesn't you know support your point because i am i am trash so <laughs> it, actually, it actually lines up there all right uh but next up would be silver uh, in the beer brewing world this would be like macro brews or craft brews that just don't have a ton going on you know not particularly interesting
0: yeah gold beers are fine but you won't really drink them ever again they're just like there so i think we switched
1: the next one right solid beers are, are platinum that you would <laughs> get drink out again. of no no none of that <laughs> let, right. let the joke platinum fly. beers these these are solid they're one step up from gold uh, you would drink them again they were good
0: diamond beers are exceptional and you would recommend them to your friends or even jeff <laughs> <laughs> and
1: mythic is the absolute best you would recommend them to literally anyone uh that even Indicates that they've heard of beer before.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I just always think it's so funny when I pretend Jeff's not my friend. <laughs> All yeah, right. It's okay. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Whatever. I don't I care. Love, I love it too. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a funny joke. She keeps saying it. Yeah, yeah. All right.
1: Let's get. What's the TikTok? It's like the. It's funny, but stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good joke, man. It's even funny. Like, I get it, but like, can you stop? Yeah, yeah um <laughs> all right should we just start with our go from least to best maybe
1: okay i think i i have i've locked in on my least
0: favorite. i've locked in on my least favorite so uh let's let do it should we do a three two one what's our least favorite okay okay all right three, three two one menagerie menagerie all right perfect <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because I, I like touted this beer when I came in as I was excited because it was boring kind of just mm-hmm. a pale ale with mosaic, with only mosaic hops. But then when I was drinking it, I was like, this is boring. <laughs> so, yeah. again, it was my least favorite, but I don't think it was bad.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, it was also my least favorite because uh, I thought that the single hoppedness of it wasn't so different that it changed. It surprised me or anything, but I did like the beer. I think it's a good pale ale. I just think they have more to offer, I'm sure. I actually think the single hoppedness
1: may have been part of the contributing factor for me. And I think this has indicated to me something that I I didn't necessarily know about mosaic hops. Have you ever heard anyone describe a beer as tasting like bubblegum?
0: You have mentioned someone you know saying a a beer tastes like bubblegum?
1: Yeah, my brother says that a lot. Um, okay this is the first time that i've understood this tasted a little bit like bubblegum to me
0: weird i didn't really get yeah. that but i wish <laughs> that i now i want to go back and try it again just to see if it tastes like bubblegum to me but yeah i
1: should have like mentioned it in passing while well, you still had some but yeah <laughs> okay i can kind of see i don't know that, if though. it's
0: like him in my in my
1: brain mm-hmm. now or what's going on but yeah i finally got it like a little bit like almost like a, a fake berry flavor kind of, I guess, hmm. is what's Interesting. More, uh, which, you know, makes you think of bubblegum, because that's what they, ha- they do, uh, and I think that's just the mosaic hops, and I've had mosaic before, but there's always other stuff
0: in it, in yeah, it as well. it's usually just kind of like there, right,
1: yeah, um, so I'm wondering, like, I've used, I've made beer with mosaic hops and and liked the beer that came out. So maybe I'm learning that I don't like mosaic on its own. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do all mosaic.
0: Interesting. Okay. Cause that was pretty like, I thought it was pretty good. Like I'm going to give this platinum. Like I liked this.
1: Yeah. So for me, like, I feel like the beer is platinum, but then I have this weird, like aftertaste or I don't know, mental block that, that makes me in particular not like it. It's probably similar to the, um, what's that herb that tastes really bad to some people cilantro cilantro mm-hmm. yeah it's probably similar to that where some people will think that mosaic tastes like bubble gum and other people's will think it tastes herby or something mm-hmm. um, I, I'm just gonna give it gold because for me uh, the, the bubble gum
0: was weird got enough. in my
1: brain got in my head a little bit <laughs> totally no
0: I get that I didn't get any of the bubble gum uh, I thought it seemed pretty solid but uh, yeah. If if it tasted like bubble But beer, the probably... body
1: and everything else was good. Absolutely. Just that that just uh threw me off. Makes
0: sense. All right. This is the this is the real one. So this is second place for the beers we had tonight. Th- <clears throat> Let me take one more yeah. step. Mm. Here we go. Three, two, one, silky. Tranquilo. Whoa. okay. okay. Alright. We had some different answers. Oh, this is kinda of fun. I like mm-hmm. this. Um yeah so i think i'll start um yeah just i just
1: want to quickly say though that when i picked these beers i imagined that uh i would be bringing the silky and you would be bringing the chunky low okay like if we picked you know if we picked them for the show,
0: it does make sense because it does seem like the ones that we would pick and bring um Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now i don't have a lot of bad things to say about silky this one that we're drinking right now Mm -hmm delicious this one i really like it Uh, actually no that's how we should do it we should just talk about the beers first and then and then we'll talk about so let's talk about silky first you obviously picked it for number one i picked it for number two how i feel about it is that i think it delivers it's good i love the branding it's it's delicious but it also tastes like some porters i've had and i could kind of replace it with some things um Mm -hmm. but i do really like it Uh, it's probably on the like diamond platinum border that I don't really know which side I want to go on. I think I like this brewery enough that I could just bump it up to diamond because it is such a good beer and the, the marketing is so good that, um, I would definitely go to this place just to, if I'm at this brewery, I'll probably pick up this beer kind of, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so I really do like it. I just think I liked Tranquillo more. But, Jeff, what do you think about Silky?
1: Uh, I love it. Mm. It's really, really good. Um, when it says oat porter, this is kind of what I'm imagining, and then this was a bit better. Uh, it is like a still has flavor, which I think a lot of times people will eat, go just for the, the smoothness in, in stouts and porters because they're trying to get people who don't drink a lot of that style to like it. So mm-hmm. they just make it ultra smooth, but then they sacrifice flavor a bit. And I find this doesn't do that. It's ultra smooth, but it still tastes like, like a, like a porter. This is probably like my second favorite type mm. of porter or stout. Um, for me, like I'm, I'm a big fan of if it's a stout, it's like the Russian Imperial, the, the one that punches you in the mouth. You know, we've talked about this before. That's my, like, absolute tops. But then if you're going to make something um, that's not that, that's a little more mass, has a little more mass appeal, this is exactly what I'm looking for. To me, this is pretty solidly Diamond.
0: Yeah, I like this one a lot. Um, I'll definitely bump it up to Diamond for sure. And, uh, yeah, good beer. Good, uh, I I do want a shirt. I do want a a silky shirt for sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, imagine if we
1: tasted in a blind taste test. We couldn't see the cans. We're like, oh god, bronze! <laughs> like,
0: what is this? <laughs> what is this trash? Um, all right, so uh, Tranquillo, uh, Jeff, let's have you talk about the sour saison first. Uh,
1: yeah, so this one does punch you in the mouth, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Like that first sip was like, whoa! Uh, yeah. The sourness and like the, the like. Really citrusy, mm-hmm. uh, right at the start, which was great. And then with these types of beers, your mouth kind of adapts to it, so that mm-hmm. you you, accl- uh, you get acclimated to it, and you're, the rest of it just tastes like a good beer. Um, and this one is very, very well made as well. Like the balance of it didn't really do that thing that you know everyone knows I don't like, where it tastes like juice. This doesn't taste like lemonade to me or, or limeade or something. This is a beer for sure, but the sour, you know, lime aspect is balanced really well. And and like I said, you get that initial kick. Uh, so this is pretty much when I bought a Sour Saison, exactly what I wanted. And when the, the person at the window recommended it and said it has a good kick, they were absolutely right. And, and I think this one also is just definitely di- diamond for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to agree on the diamond. It's very solid diamond and feels high to me. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think what you're describing with the the lime zest... Sorry, with the lime is the zest, is what I was trying to say. Is that a lot of the times it feels like the lime flavor in beer is the juice. While, obviously, Mm -hmm. if you know, I work at a gin distillery, so when we use limes, we use the peel of the lime because the oils are what give the... You can actually... Uh, taste the lime better through distillation. So I like that they use the fresh lime zest to give that kind of punch. And it really brought a freshness that I was enjoying. And also some of those bitter tones in it to this beer. And this felt like very different than a lot of... uh, I've tasted a ton of sours. And I've tasted a ton of beers that have lime in it. And this one seemed just drastically different than the others. And I think that could be a big reason why... And I was just like, like you said, punch in the mouth, and then I loved it, and I was so happy with it. Um, I love, by the way, that punch in the mouth is is a good thing. Yeah, talking about beers, <laughs>
1: it's like, oh, you need the punch in the mouth.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: you need you need the beer to like Captain Falcon you <laughs> right
0: in the face. Falcon <laughs> punch. Maybe that's if we make a beer, we should call it Falcon Punch, and it's like a, oh, there we go, boom, <laughs> done. Um maybe that's what i was missing from silky obviously Silky's not trying to punch you in the mouth that's why it's freaking called silky right. um yeah but uh <laughs> yeah, i that was... would be
1: surprising that would catch me off guard if the beer called like silky smooth and was like
0: punches you in the whoa mouth. <laughs> it's like a pillow fight because it's like a silky pillowcase hitting your face anyway yeah. um <laughs> uh i thank you jeff for bringing these beers these are awesome and uh if anyone's out there and you want to check out fairweather or if you're in the hamilton toronto area go check them out um i had never heard of these until today so i am very very
1: impressed with fairweather very
0: impressed so new fan and uh and they do have an
1: imperial stout that they make so i might have to go back and,
0: and try that one see if we
1: can get a mythic beer out of them
0: Ooh, i'd love anytime we can give a mythic beer to a brewery i am happy with that so um wonderful jeff let's go to closing time i think it's time (laughs) if you want to see any of these beer cans and understand why we are freaking out about them Please just go follow us <laughs> on Arena Regulars at Instagram. That's where we post all the pictures. And also just go to Twitter and follow us there too. Because, hey, we say things sometimes.
1: What, what number of likes do we need before we make the, the, the beer label shirt thing happen?
0: I don't know. I mean, we could probably ask Fairweather and be like, yeah, that's what we should do. Let's just post something, say how yeah. many likes do we need till we can get a shirt with the bear and uh, they'll tell us. It'll probably be like, you know, a million or something.
1: Oof. Well, you guys better better get to liking them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Help us out.
1: And uh, look for us on MTG Arena in the uh, alchemy cues, maybe. Uh, username Arena Regulars Podcast.
0: If you want to find me personally, you can find me at Zulberg. That's Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, they can also find you on Saffron Olives Twitter. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, you, I'm also on Twitter,
1: Blues BluesBrewsMTG,
0: MTG. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Follow us on any place that you listen to us right now, Spotify and Stitcher. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave a comment on our video. We do draft videos where we drink lots of beer and then try to draft decks and try to play. Uh, it's lots of fun and uh you know hey just remember uh this episode i wanted to say this earlier but i'm gonna say it now um you know listen to some old episodes don't drink alone if you're uh sad this holiday season or you're traveling you're grabbing some beers and you're just waiting for your next flight listen to some more episodes of us because hey you know if you're gonna drink we're also drinking so (laughs) hey
1: Yeah, if you haven't checked out our Drunken Vorthos series yet, go back and listen to those, because those will will be a fun time.
0: Yeah, they're really fun. This has been the Arena Regulars.
1: Reminding you to look into the spell books of the alchemy cards, because uh, as it turns out, knowing what yours and your opponent's cards do sometimes matters.
0: Good night. Right, that's fine.